You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello and thanks for joining us again on The Greatest Rivalry, a podcast brought to you by Wisden. For the past three months, we've been looking at the history of the cricket rivalry between India and Pakistan. I'm Nikesh Rugani. And I'm Adif Nawaz, and we're here in association with a great new product that's taking cricket coaching to a whole new level. It's called BatSense. It's available at kpsmartsports.com. It's a lightweight device that fits snugly onto the top of your cricket bat, and it connects wirelessly to your smartphone. It'll track your technique and send all the data to your app so you can see what you're doing right and what you need to improve on. It's got a six-hour battery life too, so you can get yours now at a reduced price of just £97 plus postage and packaging. Just head to kpsmartsports.com and get yours now. Now, last week we picked our greatest combined ODI 11. Please listen back if you haven't uh, caught that one yet. And this week it's time for our grand finale, our greatest combined all-time Test 11 with players from both India and Pakistan. I mean, this side, we hope, would have been able to dominate world cricket for a good 15 years, I reckon. Yeah, maybe even longer, really. And thank you so much to all the listeners who have been having their say online. It was great to see all those 11s. And some of the critique that... You know, we went a little bit modern with the with the the ODI lineups. You got to remember that the ODI cricket was played. You know, it, it was only a thing after the 70s, so you can't pick people like Fuzzle Mahmood and all these guys uh, because they didn't play any one-day cricket. But uh, hopefully today we'll rectify that and have a broader palette of players for everybody to choose from, and everybody will be satisfied. I'm looking forward to this. It was so much fun last week. I'm excited about this week as well. I'm going to warn you, Atif. I've gone a little bit modern. With a with a sprinkling of uh, uh, blasts from the past as well uh, in this Test eleven, so I'm going to go with it uh, with my openers uh, to start with. Let's go for number one, Sunil Gavaskar. I don't think there's there's too much argument about that. Uh, the first man to ten thousand Test runs, you know, all those runs against the greatest attacks of his time as well. You know, his his debut series in the West Indies in 71, he absolutely dominated the West Indies in away conditions. Uh, you know, scored a bucket load of runs, averaged 50 throughout his career, uh, you know, uh, 34 test centuries. And uh, he's the greatest opener that India have ever produced, one of the greatest the world has ever produced. And alongside him, I've gone with the man who redefined opening batsmanship in test cricket. Uh, he was... Uh, 
a real pioneer of just attacking the new ball, and that is Virenda Sewag, you know, another man who's played over 100 tests, averages uh, just a fraction under 50 throughout all those 100 tests. You know, he's got uh, two triple centuries, a score of 290-odd. Uh, he's got he's got big daddy hundreds as well. You know, he's got a couple in the 190s as well. Um, he's just he's just a man for the big occasion, a man who can really take the attack to the opposition in that first session. Doesn't matter if the new ball's swinging, seeming, whatever it might be. He'll just attack, attack, attack. And most of the time it will come off. So those are my top two. Sunil Gavaska and Virenda Sewag. Who have you got? Yeah, I've gone... I mean, they're both great choices, by the way. Uh, both great picks and for different reasons. Like, But Pakistani openers is where you can go a little bit old school because you've got some great players to choose from. People like Majid Khan and Mohsin Khan both had memorable innings. Uh, you know, even Mohamed Afiz has done quite well for Pakistan, um, Saeed Anwar. But the two that I've settled on uh, for my openers are Mudassar Nazar and Hanif Muhammad. I mean, Mudassar Nazar is just a class act and I still... I think he has the still has the record for most runs in a test series for Pakistan, uh, which was against India as well. So he's put in some incredible performances against India, uh, Mudassar Nazar. But um, Hanif Muhammad is just like, A, he gives you a lot of value in an 11 because he can keep wickets as well. But, you know, when you're thinking of a test side, you want somebody who can spend 15 hours at the crease, as he famously did against the West Indies in 1958. Like Hanif Muhammad... Uh, is just world class. He's had one of the highest uh, scores in Test cricket for Pakistan. He was the first Test triple centurion for Pakistan. He had three three seven in that innings that we just spoke of, and of course he had the highest first class score for a very long time as well, four hundred and ninety nine, which was of course eventually overtaken by Brian Lara. But for me, uh, when it comes to Pakistani openers, uh, Hanif Muhammad is the greatest of all time. I I do like Mudassar Nazar. He's a phenomenal player. Um, I, but again, both the players you picked out as well are, are superb. I would push for a Hanif Muhammad Gavaskar opening partnership with no disrespect to Madhusudan or Sebag. Both great players, amazing players. But this is you know, this is where the tough choices have to be made. I would say Madhusudan, yeah, de- definitely. You know, he had his moments, but he was one of those where. You know, maybe the stats didn't quite do him justice. Um, you know, a little bit like Hanif Muhammad in Test cricket as well. Um, you know, he he averaged 38 uh, in Test cricket, which you know is is kind of Michael Atherton esque, I suppose. He averaged about the same. Uh, but you know, when you look back at England, for example, he's one of the names right up there. When you look at opening batsmen in terms of grit, determination, some of the performances he pulled out over the years. Um, but yeah, maybe not for for this one with us another. Uh, although he he did have uh, some great moments throughout his career. Hanif Mohammed is is one of those. I agree. You know, he's one of those legendary figures of of Pakistan cricket, of world cricket. You know, that three three seven at the time, like you mentioned. Um, he played in an era where, of course, you know they didn't play as often, so he only managed the fifty-five Test matches throughout his career. Uh, but you know, one of that uh, great sort of. Uh conveyor belt I suppose of the Mohammed brothers uh, who, who went on to play for, for Pakistan and in first class cricket dominated the scene uh, in that uh, in that time uh, for Pakistan um, you know his average 43.98 is he another one perhaps who the stats don't quite do him uh, the kind of justice because if you're going purely by stats then then Sewag trumps him and uh, in terms of triple centuries you know he's right up there as well you know Sewag having done uh, a similar sort of thing I'm I'm leaning towards Verenda Sewag not just because of the stats but you know when you talk about those big performances and those big daddy innings he's played them he's right up there with the best that have ever played the game 
Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. You know, Berinder Sehwag is just he's another one of those players who's, by the way, phenomenally popular in Pakistan. And, you know, I r- vividly recall last year at the 2019 World Cup that uh, a lot of Pakistani fans were getting really excited by the presence of Berinder Sehwag, even more so than the presence of Sachin and, and uh, you know, Wazim Akram and some of the other great players that were around. Like, he's 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 certainly somebody who's got a strong bond with cricket fans. Um, I And and you're right, it's different. It's, it's always difficult when we go across eras to compare... Um, averages, strike rates, things like that, just because, you know, they were so of their time. And, you know, when you consider the the kind of opposition, like the one thing, if if I had, and, and you know, it feels bizarre to have a critique of someone as great as Verinder Sehwag, but he didn't always have to face up to the kind of bowling that um, Hanif Muhammad did in the 50s, you know, the, the first great fast bowlers of the game, uh, you know, no helmets, uh, you know, less protection, all that short stuff, you know, a fearsome West Indies team even then, um, you know, it's it, and and of course the performances against India and, and Australia, like he's he's an all time great. And then and he was the first sort of genuine cricket superstar for Pakistan. He was the first like player that resonated with the country nationally. Like before him, there was there was Fazal Mahmood, who was our first great uh, seam bowler. But you know, in terms of you know, batsmen, pin-ups, poster boys, you know, and people who captured the imagination of a whole country. Hanif Muhammad was the first. And when you consider the kind of stick batsmen get in the modern day, like you look at someone like Dom Sibley, Sean Massoud, um, even a little bit further back, people like, you know, to a lesser extent, I suppose, uh, uh, Raul Dravid, you know, they get a lot of stick for playing slow cricket or what's considered less di- less attractive, less aggressive cricket. That's not how test cricket has to be played. You know, test cricket is very much a game of patience and, um, you know, application. And I just think few did it as well as uh, as Hanif. And I think you're right, the stats don't quite do him justice. Um, yeah, because you think of those iconic innings rather than rather than the, his overall stats. But I think he's certainly Pakistan's greatest test opener of all time. And I'm leaving out people like Say Dunbar, um, you know, and Mudassar Nazar, I'm willing to concede on for sure, because again, he was a class act, Mudassar Nazar. But I think, you know, for me, Sunil Gavaskar is an automatic pick. Like he's just superb. Um, you know, a great gentleman, uh, a great player, incredible record. He's got it all really. So Gavaskar is an o- obvious pick, and I like. I've got a lot of love for Verinder Sehwag, but I just think Hanif Muhammad. You know, again, it's difficult to appreciate somebody who played, you know, their best cricket you know 30 odd years before you were born but yeah. <laughs> but you know i i mean just the only thing i'm going to put out there i think uh-huh. is that of that time it's difficult to compare across eras but of that time of that era an average of 43 still wouldn't have been right up there amongst the very best averages in test cricket around the world at that particular time because there there were you know England batsmen averaging 50 at the top of the order you know there was obviously you know Gary Sobers who came you know slightly within that era uh, went on to average 57 or whatever it was um, so there were a lot of players who were averaging 50 you know the very best uh, averages in the game were around the 50 mark even in that era so you know maybe stats don't do everybody justice and and obviously you know on his day he was, you know, right up there with the very best in the world. There's no question about that. You hear the stories, you know, you speak to people who are around at that time, you know, cricket historians, they all rave about Hanif Mohammed. But I just think what Virenda Sewag did for Test cricket, and yes, you don't always have to be attacking in Test cricket, you know, you can be your Alistair Cook, you can be successful in the modern game without having to resort uh, to that kind of batting. 
But at that time, I mean, Virendra Sehwag, he went to Pakistan, he smashed a triple century. You know, he, he went to places like Australia, smashed big centuries, smashed centuries against the new swinging ball away in England. He's done it all around the world and, and he's taken attacks apart. And for so many years, not just India, but, you know, any touring teams from South Asia, they used to find themselves struggling, particularly early on in a series, particularly early on in an innings, in the first innings of a test match, when they're not quite used to these pitches, they're not quite used to what the ball's doing, and they could be three or four down pretty quickly. I mean, you know, quite often they were one down uh, in Sewag's era quite quickly, but Sewag would always, you know, more often than not, hold up an end and completely counter-attack uh, you know, to, to the best of his ability, take the shine off the new ball, allow the likes of Dravid Tendulkar, all the middle order guys, to come in and do their thing. And and he, the rate at which he scored, I mean, his stats here: 104 matches, average of 49.34, strike rate 82.23. He's got 2300s in there, and you know, as I say, top score 319, second top score 309. I mean, he he had a really huge appetite for runs. You know, eight and a half thousand runs in his Test career as well. He is right up there with the very best. I mean, you, you compare these stats with somebody like a Kevin Peterson, who people rave about as having changed the face of Test cricket, and you know certainly in England and, and the way English batsmen batted. You look at Sewag's stats, they're better than Kevin Peterson's, and, and he played these beginnings all around the world as well, not just in India, not just on roads before anybody gets involved with, with trying to say he played a lot of his cricket in India. Yes, he did, but he went away from home and he smashed big runs away from home as well. He didn't care much about the pitch. It was sea ball, hit ball, and his hand-eye coordination is right up there with the very best that I've ever seen. Yeah, uh, I, I can't argue with that. Obviously, he, he managed to make more people like him than Kevin Peterson did, sadly. Uh, but yeah, I, <laughs> I, you know, I've, I've no, absolutely no doubt about it. Is unbelievably skilled player um and you know he did that with a very unusual technique as well over in the over in the save he certainly wouldn't call him textbook um well, when he first came into the side he people used to call him a clone of Tendulkar and he actually had a bit of footwork and stuff and then after a couple of years that all faded away and yeah there was very little foot movement but that's where I talk about the hand-eye coordination against swinging seeming deliveries he didn't really care about moving his feet too much. Sometimes that was his downfall. But imagine if he did move his feet. You know, he could have averaged sort of 60 maybe. But, you know, you get these players once in a generation who just change the face of the game. They just bring something new. And you look at the conveyor belt of openers around the world after Virenda Sewag and, and the kind of... You know, they've tried to, you know, copy him, really, David Warner and people like that. You know, you see it from, from countries all around the world. Chris Gale, to a certain extent, you know, when he played test cricket, you know, he, he was in that sort of same kind of mode as well, just see ball, hit ball, and, and was very successful at it as well. But Verenda Sewag is, is the only one of those guys who's done it for such a long period of time, been so consistent, scored runs all around the world, and has got stats here which rack up with anybody that has ever played the game and he did it in such a unique way that I just think he brings that X factor. You know what? I mean, that's such an impassioned plea for Sehwag. I can't really say much more than that. I, I, I wish, <laughs> I really wish, I, as an apology to Hanif Muhammad, I wish I'd seen more of him live and I could say more uh, about his game. I'm, I am going a lot by sort of second and third hand accounts when I when I try and make a case for him. And I'm sure, you know, somebody who'd seen more of his game could make a stronger case for him. But, you know, I've seen a lot of Sevag. I've seen basically all of his career and, you know, I, I've enjoyed it tremendously. So I certainly wouldn't feel any, any um, 
you know disappointment in featuring him in the side. So I'm willing to concede. Let's 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 have an all Indian opening opening attack. Why not? Okay, Suno Gavaskar and Virendra Sehwag then agreed on that. It'd be quite an interesting combination as well. I mean, Suno Gavaskar, uh, that, that innings in ODI cricket, I, I don't know if it was a protest, whether he was just out of form like he said he was, but that 36 not out of 60 overs, I mean, you know, that, that wasn't the way he always played. I mean, you know, he did take on fast bowling, uh, particularly in the West Indies. He, he loved facing the short stuff. He could duck out of the way, but he could pull and hook as well. And he's taken on Lily and Thompson and, and people like that. And, you know, he, he, he did hit his fair share of boundaries, but he was more sort of boycott-esque. In his uh, in his approach to batting, so it'd be quite a nice combination, I think. They'd uh, sort of allow each other to do their thing. Sehwag would take the pressure off, just allow Gavaska to take his time and and build an innings. So uh, we'll go with Sunil Gavaska and Virenda Sehwag at the top of the order. And uh, yeah, like like I say, apologies to Hanif Mohammed because he is one of the. Uh, the, the legendary names that you always hear of when you talk about the history of uh, Pakistani cricket and uh, certainly was a great player um, in his day and, and that top score 337 what an innings that was what what sort of longevity he showed in that innings fitness and, and everything else and concentration so uh, you know a special mention for him certainly who, who have you got uh, in your middle order then shall we go for a sort of three four five yeah and, and we'll decide on the order later yeah let's do that um well you know as you know Sunil Gavaskar's nickname was uh the little master and I've got uh, at number three I've got somebody who had his own nickname his nickname was the Asian Don Bradman uh friend of the podcast it was such a pleasure to have him on as well uh Zahir Abbas who was just a genius with the bat um, and, you know, I'll, I'll tell you more about him in a second. Uh, then I've gone with Yunus Khan, who is Pakistan's highest run scorer in test cricket, uh, a, a phenomenal player, um, currently coaching the, well, the batting coach of the of the current Pakistan test side uh, and widely regarded as Pakistan's best test batsman of all time. Um, and then it was a little bit difficult because I, 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 it was a toss-up for me between uh, Javed Miandad, but I opted uh, for... Muhammad Yusuf in the end, just such a classy player. Uh, above Javid Miandad. I went for him he, above. He, he, yeah, wow. I mean, that, that just goes to show how good Muhammad Yusuf was yeah, I mean, uh, in his prime. I mean, Javid Miandad, widely regarded by many as Pakistan's greatest ever batsman. Yeah, I mean, Javid Miandad is a phenomenal player. Uh, and, you know, he... He did. He, he did so well for Pakistan across both formats of the game, and you know he had these classic innings and things like that. I would certainly put Zahir Abbas above him just on the strength of his performances, his numbers, his stats, and and particularly in this eleven, his performances against India. Uh, you know, um, Zahir Abbas got six of his twelve Test centuries against India. And, you know, he just he was just such a, a class apart and he, he had a sort of truncated career towards the end, which is all kind of acrimonious. But yeah. And then and then really, you know, for me, Yunus Khan picks himself as well. You know, one of the few Pakistani batsmen to end their career with an average over 50 um, and, you know, just an incredible run scorer and somebody who had to fight a lot of internal issues to to kind of make sure he had a prolonged career. It was a miracle that he happened, re- it happened really because he managed to get ele- an 11-year career and despite the efforts of many people who, who just weren't uh, big fans of his, but he did so, so well against India again. Um, you know, some big, big test innings and, you know, that yeah. 267 was, was was particularly memorable. He's got a, a triple to his name as well, obviously. And then Muhammad Yusuf versus Miandad was hard because obviously, as you say, Miandad's got all the plaudits, you know, incredible record, played around the world, feared by many. Muhammad Yusuf, for me, 
like when he was at his absolute peak was maybe the greatest batsman I've ever seen. Just in that year, it was the year 2006, 2006, 2007, where he played 11 test matches and he scored uh, 1,788 runs, you know, scoring 1,788 runs in a calendar year in 11 test That's matches. Part of his uh, part of his Twitter handle, I think, um, M. Yusuf or Mohamed Yusuf, uh, 1788, that number is in there. Yeah, I mean, well, it just goes to show how proud he is of that feat, and so he should be, because nobody's come close to that, even when they've played more test cricket. When you think about how much test cricket England play nowadays, they could easily rack up sort of 15, 16 test matches a year um, if, they, if they're in this side. And someone like Joe Root, for example, you'd expect him to play, you know, at least sort of 14, 15 test matches in a year. Uh, whereas you know Yusuf did this in eleven Test matches, it's extraordinary. And it wasn't just against you know it was really against some strong opposition as well. Um, it was such a class act to watch him play. It was a very you know and I don't mean this is any discredit to any Pakistani batsman, but he was a very un-Pakistani like batsman in the way that he played. You know he was very sort of English Australian in his style, very classical. Uh, just so exciting to watch and uh, all the grace and class and everything that you could want from a middle order player and again a, a proper rock with with a fantastic average again in the 50s so just by virtue of that you know again and and, and i know me had an average over 50 as well before anybody brings that to my attention uh, and he was great and i apologize to him a hundred times over but i'd probably go yusuf over over javed me so this, this is gonna be tough this middle order are you, are you going with an all-rounder at six or are you going with a pure batsman uh, i've got an all-rounder at six and uh, you might already know who he is <laughs> okay. All right, so let's let's go with these uh, these batsmen. I've actually got a batsman at number six, pure batsman. Um, so all right, let's go with my three, four, five. Rahul Dravid at number three. I don't think there's any surprise there uh, that I've gone for the wall. 164 Test matches, uh, over 13,000 runs, average of 52, 36 Test hundreds. Phenomenal, 210 catches as well. That's that's quite important. He was one of the best slip catchers of all time. World record holder of number of catches in Test cricket. You know, ever so reliable, uh, not just off the quicks but off the spinners as well, which I think is crucial, particularly in the the subcontinent as well. You've got to be so skillful to take those catches at slip with the uh, the ball spitting and bouncing like it does uh, in the latter part of Tests. There, um, just what a gentleman, what an ambassador for the game. He's, he's again, he's done it all around the world. And uh, for listeners to this podcast, you'll remember in uh, one of our previous episodes, Ashish Nehra, that quote from him, whenever you see big victories for India outside of India, Rahul Dravid is always one of the names who's done well, who's who scored the runs. He's always on that scorecard uh, as having been one of the top performers. And um, it's absolutely true. I mean, that, you know, he's, he's top scored 270, you know, against uh, against Pakistan. Uh, absolutely phenomenal player. And he, he's always there. I mean, you talk about probably the greatest day in India's uh, test match history, certainly the greatest match where they were up against Steve Waugh's all-conquering Australian side. They've just been battered in Mumbai. They went to Kolkata, second match of the Test Series in 2001. They were asked to follow on. They were absolutely abysmal in the first innings. And then he and VVS Lakshman batted a whole day without losing a wicket. Um, you know, VVS Lakshman gets all the plaudits for his 281, and absolutely rightly so. But Rahul Dravid scored 150-odd in that match as well. And, uh, no, 180, I believe. Um, so, 
you know he, he's always there you know even in these big partnerships people like Tendulkar uh, in, in India's highest ever ODI partnership Tendulkar made 186 Raul Dravid again right up there 153 Saurav Ganguly smashed the Sri Lankans in the 99 World Cup who was there with him Rahul Dravid with 145 you know he's always there he's done it all around the world he's done it um, in Australia in England he's, he's captained India to a test series win in England the last time they did so in 2007 he's gone to the West Indies he's won out there he scored runs there he scored runs in South Africa he's one of those batsmen you know you, you speak to opposition players former players from opposing sides who played against him and yes they've got their plans for Tendulkar of course they've got their plans for Tendulkar but Rahul Dravid is right up there in fact in test cricket almost more respected through a certain era of time when Rahul Dravid was at his peak his figures were better than Tendulkar in terms of average and, and just, just the amount that he was feared by the opposition. And you take the Australians, they were the best side around at that time during that era. They used to fear Tendulkar. They used to have nightmares about Tendulkar. But in the early to mid-2000s, they used to have more plans in place for Rahul Dravid. How are we going to get this man out? He's known as the wall. He just doesn't give anything away. He scores runs for fun everywhere he goes. How are we possibly going to get this man out? And this is an attack that includes Shane Warne, that includes Glenn McGrath. You know, some of the greatest bowlers of all time used to have nightmares about this man. So Rahul Dravid is in there for that reason. Uh, you, you would have seen a lot of Dravid, of course, over the years. Yeah, of course. I'm a huge fan of Rahul Dravid. I just loved his the way he looked at the crease as well. And again, a huge rock for India. Um, you know, it, it it's 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 incredible and unfortunate for Dravid in many ways because he's the kind of player that would be lauded as the greatest player of his time had it not been for that one player that was just a, just ahead of him, just the other side of the crease. I mean, he's he's a phenomenal player and sometimes underappreciated. But again, um, again, amongst sort of cricket purists and hardcore fans, they know. Uh, how valuable he was. And opposition teams would just rejoice when his wicket was taken. In fact, in that famous Shoy Bakhtar spell where he bowled out Sachin Tendulkar and uh, Rahul Dravid back-to-back in a test match in India, he celebrated uh, Dravid's wicket with more vigour and he even talked about it later that that wicket was even more of a prize to him than the Sachin Tendulkar wicket at the time because though Sachin Tendulkar was a destructive batsman, could get runs, was free-flowing and was world-class, Dravid was difficult to dislodge. He was just there. He's the kind of batsman that would... You know, to hold up an end is an understatement. Like he can, you know, he will, he will be, he will really make you work hard to get him out. And uh, that sentiment was shared by bowlers around the world. So he was world class. Rahul Dravid, yeah, absolutely he was, incredible. He was set in that innings as well. Tendulkar came in first ball, wasn't quite set, and you know got that brilliant Yorker first up. Dravid was actually set. He'd got himself off to a start, and when Rahul Dravid does that, it is very difficult to get him out. So you know that's that's the reason Shoaib would have celebrated that even more because uh, once Rahul Dravid spends 20-30 minutes at the crease you probably think it's going to be a very long day or or two days even uh, with him at the crease because he just doesn't give things away so that's the reason Dravid's there. Tendulkar at number four I mean you know what? What can you say about Sachin Tendulkar? For you know, he's he's got pretty much every record in the book as far as batting goes. Uh, you know, particularly in Test cricket, uh, just the sheer weight of runs. That the fact he did it for 24 years. The fact that you know he he changed not only the face of cricket in India. He changed the way Indian people thought about themselves on a world stage because they've got this guy Sachin Tendulkar in the 90s dominating world attacks all around the world standing up almost to the rest of the world having that confidence that I'm as good as you and 
that kind of rubbed off on the Indian people. So he's so much more than just a cricketer. But in terms of his test stats, you know, 200 test matches. Who plays two, Who's going to play 200 test matches in this era? Nobody. You, you just can't see it unless Nassim Shah or somebody like that can keep fit. But, you know, for a fast bowler, that is so tough. So even to play 100 test matches is a fabulous achievement. 200 over 24 years, 15,921 runs, 51 test centuries. Uh, average of 53.78, which a lot of Indian fans are so disappointed with that average at the end of Sachin Tendulkar's career. But when you compare it to the greatest that have ever played, it's right up there. And to do it for that period of time and still average the best part of 54 is absolutely amazing. You know, again, another one of those Indian batsmen, just like Rahul Dravid, who... Averages more, you know, a lot of people make make fun of Asian batsmen, of, of batsmen from Pakistan, from India, from Sri Lanka, who, you know, they say, yeah, they've got these great stats, but they've played on roads throughout their career. They've played on flat tracks in India. Well, no, I'm sorry, you don't, you don't know your cricket if you think that, because, you know, just like Mohamed Yusuf did in England in 2006 and, and various you know other countries around the world Eunice Khan has done it like you mentioned in all conditions in everywhere in the world just like Dravid Tendulkar they've got better averages outside of India than they have in India so uh, that is certainly um, you know in these guys favor in, in terms of why they are world class and uh, you know to do that over such a long period of time is is absolutely amazing so here's my number four I'd I can't see any arguments with that. Um, Virat Kohli is my number five. I've gone for a bit of a modern twist on things uh, just because, you know, he's the greatest, uh, you know, batsman across all formats in world cricket at the moment. Um, You know, he's got a couple of pretenders to the throne. Uh, Steve Smith has not quite done it in white ball cricket. Barbara Azam uh, and Kane Williamson are probably the closest to him in terms of all format cricketers. And in terms of tests, you know, Virat Kohli's right up there, averages over 50, has scored runs all around the world. Those four centuries he got in a series, in a single series in Australia. It was only a four-match series, by the way, um, in 2014, I believe it was. Um, you know, to do it there, to, to come to England to prove all doubters wrong in 2018 when people said he couldn't bat against the swinging ball. He was the top run scorer in that series across both sides, you know, 500-odd runs in the five tests. And, um, yeah, he's he's just in there simply because of he's the best around at the moment and uh, can't see anyone else to take his place. You know, you've got special mentions for people like Saurav Ganguly and Mohamed Azaruddin and, you know, various. I mean, there's Gundapa Vishwanath, you know, Dilip Venksakar, who scored those hundreds at Lords. You know, who's the Lord of Lords is his nickname, you know, but just in terms of consistency and, and doing it. You know, over a longer period of time, all around the world, having that average right up there, just the appetite for runs. I think Coley just pips those guys. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I will never, never dispute Coley's entrance in any kind of format. He's just, he's so phenomenal uh, across the board, as you say. Right, mate, this is going to be a challenge. How do we consolidate? <laughs> how do we consolidate these uh, these six great players? Uh, are we agreed on Tendulka? Um, <laughs> it's hard not. It's hard not come to. On, you, it's hard you, you not to. Put, it's hard not, not to. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's it's a really. It's a yeah. I can't. I'd like to dispute it. I don't think I can. I just think he's got. As you Mate, say, if Don Bradman puts him in his all-time eleven. He's he's got to be in ours. Yeah, he was. He, I, he, <laughs> I know it was a few years ago. He wasn't. He wasn't <laughs> yeah. I don't think Bradman would put Coley in his team, which is a shame. Um, but yeah, I, I. I mean, yeah, I. Um, I think so. I think. Uh, I think. 
the first pick of the lot is probably Sachin Tendulkar. Tendulkar's about four. Though. I'd have him at four. Yeah, I'd have, get, have him a little bit of protection. Um, number three, I do like. I mean, as we we could talk, we could do like eight podcasts on Rahul Dravid um, because he's, <laughs> and maybe we will, Wisden, if you if you let us do it. Yes, um, we'd love to do some career retrospectives and things like that going forward. But I, I would I would go with Zahir Abbas at three, only because. You know he's got that record. He's got. A, he didn't play as much cricket. They just didn't back then, uh, as Dravid played across his career. But you know he was a. He genuinely was a genius with the bat. And if we talk about Bradman, you know he was labelled the Asian Bradman, which is, you know, which is an. It's an honour that's hard to understand unless you were kind of around in that era. It's such a. It's such a a, a kind of a point of pride for Zahir Abbas that. You know, even now his kind of Twitter handle or uh, it, it incorporates these things. He he loves being referred to as the Asian Bradman. He never saw it as derivative in any way. He saw it as a huge compliment. And you know, I, I mean, there's some great stories about his exchanges with Zahir Abbas uh, with the uh, sorry, I beg your pardon with uh, Sunil Gavaskar. Uh, a famous time where Gavaskar was you know on the pitch and Zahir Abbas was just batting and batting and batting. And you know, at one point, um, Sunil Gavaskar just you know had a chat and said uh, Zahir Abbas karto, Abbas karto, which means Zahir, please stop. And it was a clever play yeah. on his pun, uh, a clever pun on his name. It was just you know, it was just a testament to how hard this guy would play. And, you know, he did it from the off as well. You know, some batsmen took a little while to get going. Uh, Zahir Abbas scored a, a, a test century in literally his second match. And, and it wasn't just a century. It was a double century against England in Edgbaston. So, you know, when you talk about players performing well away from home and, you know, immediately as well, this is a second match and he's already slamming a double hundred against Edgbaston. He made an impact. Uh, he stuck around. And then, of course, he's got the he's got the same uh, record that Tendulkar has, uh, the hundred hundreds, the hundred first class centuries. Uh, not a lot of people can claim to have done that, and um, you know only uh, uh, only a handful have. And Zahir Abbas is amongst them, which speaks for his credentials. That's why I would advocate for him at number three. Would Zahir Abbas? Quick question: Would Zahir Abbas be your pick for for the best out of the three that you've picked? Um, Pakistan. No, not in terms of stats, but would he be? Well, no. Again, and it comes down to the fact that I didn't see a lot of um, in, in play. And again, it's all, you know, I'm catching up, and thanks to things like YouTube and things like that, you can watch old stuff, and that's great. But I mean, you know, one of these three men I've seen play for most of his inning, and he's really got everything. Like, it's rare for a Pakistani cricketer to have the longevity, the stats, the performances around the world, the high average. The records, the milestones, the the respect, the pop culture, all of it, and you know, only one of these three men that I've picked has all three of those things. So all four of those things, I beg your pardon. So and that is that is Yunus Khan. Um, that is Yunus Khan, who you know, I know you said at the beginning that you know Javed Milad is regarded as the uh, as the greatest Pakistani batsman. I, I would now say that people regard Yunus Khan as the greatest Pakistani batsman of all time. Um, you know, he he's got deservedly so. Absolutely, he's got the most runs. He's gone past ten thousand runs. Uh, for Pakistan, 34 centuries to his name. Um, you know, he drew comparisons to Zahir Abbas and, you know, he reserved his best performances for India, really. He played, he's got centuries against everybody in the world as well. This is something that few cricketers have done, scored a century against every country in the world. But he's also, you know, he's averaging 88 against India. Right, that's extraordinary. Um, yeah. You know, and he's played against a very varied Indian attack, some stronger than others, sure. But, you know, uh, as we talked about, India's got a, you know, a, 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 a 
an embarrassment of riches at the moment. So for me, this is why as much as and Muhammad Yusuf is, you know, I'm already cognizant of the fact that I've got to lose at least one of my batsmen here. And, you know, um, it's it, for me, it's probably going to be Muhammad Yusuf, which is such a shame because, you know, I, enjoy, I probably enjoyed watching Muhammad Yusuf the most. Like of players I enjoyed watching the most, it was Mohammed. Yeah. He was so classy. And you know what? I'm going to reference an innings that nobody in their wildest dreams would have thought I was going to reference. He, in the Indian Cricket League, the ICL season one, <laughs> right? He, he he made a 12 that was one of the most extraordinary 12s I've ever seen, okay? He hit <laughs> three boundaries. Three boundaries, uh, all cla- each as classy as, as, as each other. And, you know, probably the three best shots played in, in the entire ICL. Uh, over the course of its of its um, of its run, I mean, it's such a it feels like a facetious point to make, but he was such a graceful player. He would just look so good in every format, every tournament, every domestic game, international game, Test cricket, One Day cricket. He always had that flair and that class about him yeah. that you could just you know it never really changed. And I love that consistency. And obviously, a um, huge shout out. But of the three. He's the one that I'd let go. Eunice is the one so that I'd push for. So he out for you. Yeah. For me, I'd take Kohli out just because he's not done as much as the other two. Um, for me, ten, obviously, we've we've decided on Tendulkar, um, but Tendulkar and Dravid, for me, irreplaceable, really. Kohli can go as much as uh, a lot of people might disagree with that. People, you know particularly follow modern cricket and, and weren't quite around in those uh, previous eras. But, uh, you know, if you've seen the likes of Tendulkar and Dravid, um, certainly Kohli's not up there yet. He may well be in, in years to come. Um, but we can we can leave Kohli out and you you would be happy to leave Mohamed Yusuf out, right? Yeah. So, so we're in a situation now. It's Dravid versus where... Yunus Khan. <laughs> Sorry? Uh, Dravid versus Yunus Khan, I guess, right? Or... Or... I would stick. I would stick Eunice Khan in at number five. Ah, interesting. Okay, so you you he has batted in the middle order, and you know with these greatest elevens, there's got to be a bit of give and take. Yeah. So you wouldn't have uh, Zahir Abbas. You'd you'd, you'd go with uh, Dravid over Zahir Abbas. I'd go with Dravid over Zahir Abbas, just simply because he's he's done it against everybody more than Zahir Abbas. The figures stack up. I mean, Zahir Abbas had a fair run. He played 78 test matches, uh, just the 1200s, you know, some of them very, very big. But then also, you know, some some not so good phases in his career. So he averaged 44.79 when somebody nicknamed the Asian Bradman. You'd expect the figures to be a little bit higher than that, um, having played 78 test matches as well. So he had a fair, fair amount of time to, you know, play against all test playing nations at that particular time. So... I'd definitely go with Dravid above Zahir Abbas, although Zahir Abbas, you know, having heard from people who were around in, in those eras and saw a lot of him play, you know, Gamar Ahmed, the uh, you know, reputed uh, Pakistan journalist, a legend uh, in Pakistan, always refers to him as the great Zahir Abbas whenever he talks about him. So that shows you how well he is regarded. Um, but, you know, I would refer to Rahul Dravid as the Great Wall of India. So... Yeah, Dravid's got to be in there. I, I would, I, I would put Eunice Khan in at number five. More than happy to do that because he was <laughs> phenomenal. Um, but he'd have to sort of change position a little bit, I think, because Dravid's the man you want at, at number three if an early wicket falls, right? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, it's a tough one, isn't it? It's, it's so difficult with these lists, particularly when you're trying to advocate for players who played in different eras. Um, 
yeah, it's hard to argue with that average, really. He didn't average as high. And, you know, when you do think of 12 tonnes, especially with a modern microscope, uh, you know, it's not a lot. 12 is not in a lot. 78 matches yeah. as well, 124 yeah. innings. So, he, you know, he, he had a fair run. Um, and, you know, he did particularly well against India, as you say. Um, first class record, phenomenal with the 100 hundreds, but only 12 of them at international level. Whereas, you know, we're talking about someone like Tendulkar, 100 international hundreds. Uh, Rahul Dravid, you know, he's 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 right at the you know, 36 test hundreds of him. I know he played a lot more, but just in terms of the ratio, um, it's a lot higher. The average is higher, 13 odd thousand runs. Hard to argue with. Yeah, no, I uh, yeah, it is it is tough to argue with. Like Dravid is a great player, and um, you know, as I say, we could wax lyrical about him for a very very long time. And uh, you know maybe I've just I've got to go away and learn more about uh, Zahir Abbas's career so I can do the same for him because I'm you know again these are labels that weren't thrown around like in the modern day people throw around labels there's more of a commercial thing about cricket right and you know so and so is this player and this is you know what they used to call Glenn Maxwell the big show and you know everybody's got kind of a nickname in the modern day because it makes you more marketable or you know for whatever commercial reasons or even if it's out of genuine respect but you know to have a nickname the you know Don Bradman you know for many well you know for you know, a vast majority of cricketers are the greatest batsman of all time so for you know I really feel like a player called the Asian Bradman. Like based though, based on his first class performances. Sure. It was written by a writer for the Times based on his performances in county cricket. Um and he I don't think he was quite able to consistently enough replicate that test level. I think that was the issue. I think that's the issue we're talking about here when we're selecting this test 11. Um certainly in in terms of weight of runs in first class cricket. He's up there with the very best that have ever played the game. Um, but he wasn't quite able to transfer quite that consistency and that, that level of performance in his in his test career. I mean, he certainly showed it in phases, certainly showed it against India, um, <laughs> you know, with all those double hundreds and just completely bullying India in the sort of late 70s, early 80s. Um, but, you know, against all comers, I don't think the consistency was quite there. So for that reason, uh, you know, Asian Bradman, deserved nickname based on his first class cricket um but in test cricket you know the numbers just don't stack up for me hmm. are you going to give him a call and tell him he didn't make the list because i'm not i'm not going to do it <laughs> do you know what he's such a, such a nice guy another friend of the podcast and and you know we kind of feel how lucky we are when we, when we refer to these people as friends of the podcast we have had some absolute legends on here over the past uh, 12 weeks and and we're so lucky to have documented their careers their greatest moments some of the great matches they played in and uh, it has been fantastic. And Zara Bass, one of the nicest men on the planet. And, um, you know, I'm sure he'll he'll be very humble uh, to learn that, that he was, uh, you know, right up there, uh, discussed uh, among the best cricketers that's ever played for each nation. Yeah. OK, well, uh, you're going to make that call. So we're going So we've got <laughs> we've got four, a top four of Indians now, just and and Eunice Khan at five. Um, so we've got. This is the this is the argument we always used to have. Yeah, that's though. the one we always hear. What if what if we had an Indian batting lineup and a Pakistani bowling lineup, <laughs> especially in previous eras, we would dominate the world. So I know. I really didn't want to lean. Kind of I didn't want to lean into that. that. I didn't want to lean into that stereotype at all. But here we are doing it. I guess the numbers don't lie. So, <laughs> and and like if if we keep going by sort of you know specifically looking at test performances, um, yeah, I think I think that's about to ring true. Who do you have? At number six. So five, so sorry, so Dravid at three, Tendulkar four, Yunus Khan at five. 
Yeah. There we go. Right. So number six, I've gone for a pure batsman. You've gone for Imran Khan, I take yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, as your all-rounder, as your captain, as your as your main man. I've gone for VVS Lakshman, uh, just as a specialist sort of middle-late order batter. Um, you know, phenomenal record uh, for India through over 100 test matches, won many games for India. You know, that 281 we talked about against Australia um, really put him on the scene, really, uh, you know, put Indian cricket on a on a different trajectory at that time. You know, when Indian cricket was just suffering that little bit of a slump, we'd had the match-fixing stuff in, in the year 2000. Saurabh Ganguly came in as captain to try and, you know, uh, you know bring a bit of bit of uh, sort of warmth to the fans and try and you know put on some good performances uh, take their minds away from all the negativity and they were struggling to do so consistently for a while but then that series against Australia at 2001 really sort of kick-started Indian test cricket through that next era and they were very successful away from home as well as at home the Australians of that era the best side arguably uh, alongside the West Indies from the 80s and early 90s that ever played the game you know one of the very best sides always used to say that India were their toughest opposition during that era. Um, and a lot of that was down to the likes of Vivius Lakshman, who, who averaged um, you know, close to 50-odd against the Aussies home and away and, and was so consistent in his performances. You know, he's, he's won games batting with the tail down the order as well. Um, you know, really fabulous guy, great ambassador for the game, one of the nicest guys on the planet. So beautiful to watch as well, his technique and, you know, so easy on the eye, just like Mohamed Youssef, like you mentioned before, you know, Mark War. These are the kind of players, these right-handers, who just make it look so easy, everything they do. Um, but, you know, I, f- I fear that I'm going to have to concede because uh, you've, you've picked uh, rather a good cricketer at number six. Yeah, no, I, I, I've got a lot of time for uh, Vivius Laxman. And like many, I discovered him when he played that incredible innings against Australia, that really strong Australia side that nobody was beating at the time. And, you know, it was a phenomenal innings. And he's a great player. And I, I, I find it quite amusing, actually. If you take away Gavaskar and Virat Kohli, you've basically, basically picked players that played in the same team. You know, they were genuinely... That yeah. that was a lineup. That was an actual lineup. Like you know, Sevag, Tendulkar, Dravid, uh, and Laxman. That was like a that's an actual lineup right there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, and and you know, and it's a really good lineup, and it was a very successful lineup for for India uh, with the bat in particular. They were they were really great players, and you know, I think. Yeah, I think Imran Khan, again, like, you know, we talked about him in last week's show, um, you know, we were talking about his captaincy credentials. It's more, you know, and even though he's won Pakistan a World Cup with uh, with his captaincy in 92, that's not the pinnacle of his captaincy achievement. You know, he went down, according to the test records, he's the second most successful Pakistan captain after Mizbal Haq. But as we've discussed, you know, records don't always tell the true story. In terms of galvanizing some of the... You know the, these strong characters, these strong, uh, you know the, the 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 personalities that he had to try and you know unify and bring together, and there was a lot of talent there. But to put it all together was hard work. You know, it, it was an era where you know Pakistani players were becoming superstars, and you had people like Abdul Qadir and uh, Sarfraz Nawaz, and you know, and and and, and at the mentor role he played to people like Wasim Akram, Bakar Yunus. You know, even Shoaib Akhtar references him as, you know, his, his all-time idol. Like, he's a phenomenal cricketer with the ball. He's got a great record with the bat as well. You know, they've written, like, you know, he's he's written three different cricket skills books, which talks, which are mostly batting focus, which tells you about how much of a student of a game he is and how, how much knowledge he has to impart. And they were all uh, published by English publishers, by the way, as well. So, you know, I always feel like when... 
when you know a South Asian player is given that kind of scholastic respect in England, they've achieved something special. It's an old, it's an old adage of the game, but it is something quite special. He's an incredible player, and you know you'll hear more about him later when I advocate for his captaincy. But um, yeah, for me again, you know, like Tendulkar, he's one of the few kind of automatic picks in this side, um, and I'd play him. I'd play him at six because he's more than handy with the bat. Um, you know, he's he's somebody who'll get you runs and and uh, obviously be very effective with the ball at his peak as well. Yeah, Imran Khan, uh, yeah, definitely in at number six. Uh, so we've got uh, both the Khans making up five and six, Yunus and Imran. Um, and, yeah, I suppose, you know, more than handy with the bat, not outstanding with the bat, but, you know, when you've got a lineup of Gavaska, Sewag, Dravid, Tendulkar and Yunus Khan batting before him, you hope uh, he wouldn't have to do too much uh, before they can uh, possibly declare most of the time, uh, given uh, the, the weight of runs from that particular lineup. So keeper next... And uh, I've gone with MS Dhoni. Now, it's it's a difficult one, this, because I don't think India or Pakistan have ever had a wicketkeeper batsman who's got a sort of, you know, who's got stats, batting stats, uh, where they could basically play as a batsman. Uh, apart from MS Dhoni is the only one, but even then his test stats, although he's, you know, he's got a double century in test cricket. Wait, wait hang on, hang on, hang on. He's got various other centuries. What, what about Hanif Muhammad? Does he keep wicket? Yeah. Ah, would he bat at seven? That would was be he a weird. regular keeper, Hanif Mohammed? Uh, I don't know if he was. I think he, they they rotated it, but he was a he was a keeper. Uh, also, Dravid kept wicket as well. Um, I yeah, would, but I, I don't like these bit part. You need a proper keeper in Test cricket. You need somebody who kept all the time in Test cricket, don't you? I mean, what was wrong with uh, Dravid's keeping? He was good. He was decent in one-day cricket, but he wasn't... I mean, he was nowhere near an MS Dhoni or, or even like <laughs> Moen Khan or Rashid Latif. You know, these guys, you know, you you look back to, through the decades. I mean, Farouk Engineer was phenomenal at keeping up to the spinners and and things like that. Said Gimani, Kiran Morey has been on the podcast as well. These, these are proper keepers, you know. Rahul Dravid, by his own admission as well, was a stand-in during that 2003 World Cup in the build-up to that World Cup. They they didn't really have an all-rounder, so they needed somebody like a Rahul Dravid to step up, take the gloves, so that they could play an extra batsman at number seven, a specialist batsman, and just have that extra bit of security down there. That's the only reason they did it. And, uh, you know, Dravid made a fair few mistakes. He had a good World Cup in 2003, but, you know, in and around that, there were a lot of mistakes. And, you know, it's, it's not his fault. He wasn't a regular keeper. He was kind of forced into that situation. I think in Test cricket... You need a proper keeper, you know. Even if you you've never had, even if India and Pakistan never had a proper keeper who could bat as well, you'd have to pick the best gloveman. And if you've got a gloveman who can also bat, then I think that's a bonus. And I think M. S. Stoney's the closest that either side comes to that. He averages, you know, thirty-eight point whatever in in Test cricket. You know, best part of forty. You say he was pretty consistent, especially early on in his career. The performances kind of waned a little bit in Test matches towards the end of his Test career. He didn't didn't seem particularly that keen on playing Test cricket for his last twenty or so matches. I may be wrong, but you know, he he gave up the captaincy quite prematurely. Gave up Test cricket quite prematurely to extend his white ball career, where he sort of flourished a lot more. Um, but you know, he he. For the time he played, you know, for his peak years, his peak sort of five or six years, uh, I think he's probably the best that either side have had. Uh, who have you got at number seven? Well, I've got a. I I, I was gonna. Well, see, my wicketkeeper was gonna be um, 
Hanif Mohammed. So I didn't think... Really? Was he really yeah. going to be your keeper? He was really going to be my keeper. And then I also had in the back of my mind the idea that you might have Raul Dravid in there who would take over as a keeper. So I didn't pick a specialist keeper. I mean, again, I mean, I don't mean to do a disservice to the Pakistani wicketkeepers over the years because there's been so many of them that were very good. I mean, Rashid Latif, as you say, and Moin Khan were the two that immediately come to mind. But also Wasim Bari was fantastic. Yeah. Um, you know, Sarfraz Ahmed is a very good test wicketkeeper. Um, and uh, and actually, you know, if you t- take away that one series against Australia, uh, Kamran Akbal's got a pretty good record as well so you know and he's got some decent centuries in that in that record as well uh Cameron Akmal. but I just yeah I, I I think in terms of keepers who can bat like that class that Adam Gilchrist style keeper yeah both teams have lacked right and um I think maybe it's an era thing maybe it's incoming I mean Pakistan will have high hopes with the uh, Mohammed Rizwan who's already shown glimpses of uh, of an excellent um, temperament and a great skill with the bat, but obviously very early into his test career at the moment, so he wouldn't even uh, make the conversation. But uh, yeah, I think I think you're right. If we if we were going for a specialist keeper, then it'd have to be Dhoni, um, just on the weight of his, you know, just even if you don't even look at his record, just everything else, everything that he represents, and you know, um, good, good. Even if he wasn't the captain of your team, he'd he'd, he'd definitely be one of the people in that huddle guiding them. Um, you know, somebody who's had that test mace for quite some time. You know, he's he's uh, he's definitely a credible choice. Let's go with Dhoni though. I, th- I think you have to go with somebody who who keeps regularly in Test cricket. You you kind of makeshift keepers in Test cricket. I know it's fantasy cricket, <laughs> but we are picking a team here to win, to play. You know, if they were to play, they they'd be taking on all comers from around the world, and you can't let mistakes creep in. So uh, we'll, we'll go with Dhoni to keep wickets and bat at number seven, and then uh, bowlers eight, mm. nine, ten, eleven. So. Let, let's let's pick a spinner to start with. Who have you got? Um, I this is a this is was a challenge because Pakistan is some of the you know like again we talked about this last week some of the greatest spinners in the history of the game. But I try to go by record a little bit and I tried to go by you know like sort of international factor like who played well around the world and you know the Canaria was up there for me. Um, yep. You know, Saeed Ajmal, I really wanted to pick because he's probably my favorite uh, Pakistani spinner of all time. Uh, but if I was making a credible choice, it would really come down to two leg spinners. And it would come down to either Yasser Shah, who's in the current Pakistan team, um, and, you know, the fastest to 200 wickets and so on. He's got, he's got ridiculous numbers of milestones to his name already. Um, but it would be between him and Abdul Qadir. And, you know, Abdul Qadir is, again, his stats... You know, we, we, we see this. I feel like I'm saying this often. The stats don't do him. The, they do don't do him the justice that they should, because he's essentially a bowler that, if not invented, then certainly perfected the googly. You know that that ingenuity. We, when we talked about Saklain Mushtaq last week, right? He invented the Dusra and perfected it, and so many other people tried, and only really Morlithran. Um, came close. Even someone like Harbhajan Singh, who bowled really well and you know had loads of different variations, it was the Dusra was never his his big delivery. And you know um, Abdul Qadir made the Googly his lethal weapon. And you know Imran Khan pays homage to him so many times. And of course we you know passed away um, uh, recently Abdul Qadir. But you know the the memorials to him, the testimonials from people like Shane Warne who talked about him being an inspiration to him. You know, when somebody inspires Shane Warne, who's probably the greatest leg spinner of all time, um, you know, it talks, it, it speaks to how 
how valuable they were to the game of cricket. So just on his contribution to the game, his skill level and a decent record, I'd probably I'd probably go Abdul Qadir over Yasser Shah. But ask me again in a few years and let's see where Yasser ends up. Really? Wow, OK. Uh, I mean, Abdul Qadir definitely rated as uh, the greatest of all time to come out of Pakistan. Uh, and, you know, special mentions also for the likes of Saklain and Mushtaq Ahmed, uh, who had more success, yes, in in limited overs cricket but were phenomenally talented and uh, could have quite easily had they played more uh, been legends for Pakistan as well um, uh, it's quite interesting when you look at Pakistan spinners they you know none of them have played 100 test matches none of the top wicket takers have played 100 test matches uh, you know top wicket taker in in terms of spinners is still Danish Canaria in test cricket with I think 269 test wickets so you know it shows that they've not had quite the longevity which is uh, you know maybe just because you know, they they can't hold their place in the side because somebody more talented always comes along, um, which which could always be the case. And Abdul Qadir, you know, great point on the uh, the sort of inspiration that he's been and the kind of magic that he had. Um, Nasser Hussain was on commentary uh, during the England Pakistan Test series, and uh, he he referred to a point where I think they were touring Pakistan in '06 or or one of those tours that they went on in, to Pakistan, and they needed some preparation against good quality spin bowling. So they got Abdul Qadir, aged 50-odd, to come and bowl at them in the nets. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm not saying Nasser Hussain was a, a, a world-class batsman, but he wasn't too bad. Um, and uh, he said he was just completely bamboozled. Even this 50-year-old was, was just ripping it past the outside edge, the inside edge, just completely outfoxing all the England batsmen. Uh, so it just shows you uh, the kind of skill level that he had. Uh, in terms of spinner, I'm going for the biggest match winner that India have ever produced. Um, and no, it's not Tendulkar batting down the order. He's, he's slotted in at number four. It is Anil Gumble, and, and he is widely regarded by everyone who played with him as the biggest match winner India ever had. You know, 10 for 74 against Pakistan. That That stands out as the greatest achievement uh, of his career you know just the second man to take all 10 wickets in a test innings 619 test wickets phenomenal 132 test matches he played all around the world so difficult to score off his his economy rate is phenomenal as well just two and a half runs and over um he was just he, he wasn't a conventional leg spinner People used to say, oh, we'll treat him like a medium pacer, but he could get the odd one to rip the top spinner, the bounce and spit he used to get out of helpful surfaces, non-helpful surfaces in countries like England and Australia. I mean, he came to England, played for North Ants one season, got over 100 wickets in the season. You know, not many people do that. And this is a leg spinner playing in mostly sort of springtime and, and late summer. Um, you know, sort of uh, end of August, September. Yeah, pitches may have dried out a little bit then, but in terms of April, May, even June, you know, very wet months sometimes uh, in England and, uh, you know, very unhelpful pitches in England, but, you know, performed well here, not just in county cricket, but in test cricket as well. Won games for India in England, in Australia, in South Africa, in the West Indies, you know, he, he bowled with a broken jaw in the West Indies and took India to victory there as well. So, you know, real strong character, real leader in the side and he could bat as well, you know, he's He's got a test century to his name uh, in England on that 2007 tour, helped India win that test match. Um, so no mug with the bat either. And, uh, you know, to, to do it for that period of time, for that long, to not be a big turner of the ball, but still have enough of these variations 
to bamboozle batsmen, I think, is a special skill. And and just the fact that he's he's another leader, he's another one of those characters. We're, we're building a team of Test cricketers here, who who've got the guts, who've got that got that sort of you know their chest pumping, ready to take on all comers, ready to take on the West Indians of the 80s. You know, whoever comes at them, they're going to be in there fighting, whether win, lose or draw. They're going to go out with a fight. They're going to give it their best performance. Nobody in the history of Indian cricket did that better than Anil Gumble. So he, for me, has to be in this side. Um, I think that's a really good case. And I mean, I've got, I've got to be honest with you, I can't see a, a scenario where you don't play um, Abdul Qadir as well. And so perhaps perhaps there's a case for two spinners in this side. Yeah, perhaps there is. Perhaps there is. Let's let's park yeah. them for a second. I mean, notable mentions obviously have to go. I mean, from an Indian point of view, Bishan Bedi, oh, arguably the course. greatest left-arm spinner that's ever played the game. I mean, beautiful action. You see some of the replays of his bowling now. Absolutely phenomenal. You know, they he he was part of the you know one of the big reasons that India uh, won Test series in both England in the West Indies in the 70s as well. You know, difficult places to go to, um, but you know, again, performing around the world in that era, Erapali Prasanna, you know, Chandrasekhar, part of that trio, Venkatraghavan was was part of the quad. But those three in particular were phenomenal. Harbhajan Singh, in more recent times, you know, over 400 Test wickets for him, did so well against the all-conquering Aussies. There have been a lot of quality spinners for both sides over the years, but for me, the the pick of the Indians has to be Kapil there for you, Abdul Qadir from uh, Pakistan. So we'll, we'll park them to to one side just for now before we decide how to slot them in. Um, so you're going for two seamers. Uh, I think I know where this one's going. Yeah, I think I think. Well, look, everybody knows that Pakistan has been blessed with incredible seam bowlers, even their kind of underachieving seam bowlers. People like Muhammad Amir and Muhammad Asif and you know, Muhammad Zahid, there were so many great fast bowlers, right down to their current fast bowling lineup. They've just been blessed with an endless supply of exciting uh, fast bowlers. But, and, and you know, even b- b- before this, the, the, the two gentlemen I'm about to mention, we had, you know, Fazal Mahmood, uh, Sarfraz Nawaz, who's, you know, widely credited with, with invented re- inventing reverse swing, which is a huge legacy point for Pakistan. But really, you can't do better than Wazim Akram and Wakai Yunus. They were the kind of bowlers that could get you a breakthrough anywhere. People would say about Wazim Akram that he could take a wicket at will. You don't need to know more than about, more, more from me about Wazim Akram. He's got 434 uh, test wickets and he launched a fragrance called 434 as well, just off the back of that. <laughs> uh, it, it's in the shape of a cricket ball. It'll make a lovely gift if you're ever looking to buy something for a cricket <laughs> fan. Or for me, because uh, mine's running out. Uh, so I, I, yeah, I mean, Wazim Akram is incredible. Everybody knows that. And I, I suspect there, there'll be little argument about his inclusion and Waka Yunus of always the slightly underappreciated of the two W's but just as capable he just didn't play as much cricket as Wasim Akram and he didn't offer you that additional value with the bat that Wasim Akram did Wasim Akram's got uh, you know a test double century to his name and uh, you know centuries against big countries um, big performances as well so you know, I mean, Wakai is always underappreciated, but the things he could do, like when that ball softens, the new ball for any seamer it should be relatively straightforward to bowl with. The slightly older ball, before it starts to reverse swing, is very difficult to bowl with because it's soft, and if the conditions aren't suiting you, the ball's not going to move around as much. But Wakai Yunus could make any ball move. He could do phenomenal things, and if it wasn't swinging, he would take it off the seam. He could do anything, and the way that he reinvigorated his career... Uh, you know, we talked about this last week, but the way he, he reinvented himself and 
uh, as an outswing bowler. You know, he broke his back in the early 90s before he'd even peaked. He came back through that in the mid-90s as a rhythm-fast bowler. He took wickets for Surrey, for Glamorgan. You know, he's still fondly remembered um, uh, for his performances in county cricket here as well. And, you know, just a phenomenal, phenomenal player, uh, a lovely man. Again, a, a friend of the podcast and somebody we've uh, been very honoured to have close proximity with. Uh, for me, Wazim and Wakar... Just who who but, were your three? Because we, we didn't both pick two spinners in our side. So who was the other one that you had? The other one was going to be Sarfraz Nawaz, uh, the inventor okay. of reverse swing. But for me, and, and Sarfraz is a great bowler and, uh, and you know, obviously has some wonderful uh, insights into the game as well. Um, you know, sometimes they can be a bit controversial, but his insights are right there. And we were fortunate to hear some of them um, on this podcast series as well. So do go back and listen to that on the Wisdom Weekly podcast feed. But yeah, for me... You know, when you think about that dream 11 and, you know, that, that the old stereotype of like, yeah, Pakistani bowlers and Indian batsmen and all that kind of stuff. They, these are the two bowlers that created that stereotype. Right. Wasim Akramawakainis through the 90s were just too good. Um, and, you know, they were part of these incredible contests with Indian batsmen. That's what that was the real box office of cricket. Um, I thought about Shoaib Akhtar's inclusion as well. Just, you know, he's he's phenomenal. He's got a great average. I do think injuries robbed him of a slightly longer career. Uh, and again, I, 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 he's one of my favourite players of all time. Um, I had the pleasure of speaking to him recently as well. But I, I think when it comes to bowlers in either team, you can debate spinners. Um, you know, you can debate wicketkeepers. You can debate a lot of things. But one thing you probably wouldn't debate is... Who the two best fast bowlers are? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Wazim and Wakar definitely make the cut. I'm going to go with. I don't know. I can't go with two spinners. I don't know. I mean, it d- depends on conditions, maybe. But who are your seamers? Who are your seamers? Just uh, my seamers. Uh, I've gone with three. So I've gone with another all rounder, Kapil Dev at number eight. I don't see oh. how you can leave Kapil Dev out of of, of any India Pakistan eleven. I mean, you know. Absolutely brilliant uh, bowling record, 434 wickets, which was the world record for many, many years. 131 test matches, never missed a test match through injury. He played 131 out of 132 possible tests during his career. The only time he was dropped was because of ill discipline in inverted commas when he went out to uh, bat for India and they were trying to save a test match and he was just playing his shots and got out and uh, the management basically dropped him on the back of that but that was his game right he was an attacking batsman he knew no other way to play so I uh, can't really blame him for that the fittest guy uh, that's ever played for India more so than MS Dhoni as well and you know in an era where you had to take care of your own nutrition. You didn't have all these physios and all these sports scientists and stuff. You had to take care of all that stuff yourself. And to bowl as a fast bowler and not miss a single test through that entire career through injury, absolutely phenomenal. As I say, you know, first man to uh, reach 434 test wickets, and, and that was the record for a long time. He could bat as well, average of 31 in test cricket. Um, you know, that famous time when he uh, saved the follow-on here in England, uh, when in- India needed 24 to save the follow-on, one wicket in hand, Kapil Dev on strike, bam, 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 four sixes, job done. You know, that was the kind of box office cricketer he was in both test cricket and in ODI cricket. And, uh, you know, he was part of that quad of, of world-class all-rounders, the like of, you know, we may never see again if, alongside Imran Khan, Richard Hadley and Ian Botham, of course, in that era. So he can't miss out for me. So I had Kapil Dev at number eight, Anil Kumble 
number nine, who we've discussed, and then uh, India's other two, uh, you know, greatest seamers, Javagul Srinath and Zahir Khan. And, you know, I speak to a lot of people who say Javagul Srinath, if he played in, if he was Australian, if he was English, he would have been an absolute world beater. I mean, he, on his day, he was a phenomenal bowler. And uh, Zahir Khan, the, the greatest left-arm seamer India have produced. But, you know, we can talk about them all day long. But, yeah, Wazim and Wakar definitely make the cut. So we'll go with them in place of Srinath and Zahir Khan. Um, and then we've got the Kumble, Kapil Dev and Abdul Qadir. Three players to fit into two slots. Yeah, that's uh, it's interesting. Again, Javagul Srinath, as you say, he did he had the misfortune of playing on some of those super flat wickets um, in in India for much of his career, which made it very difficult as a bowler, I'm sure. But he did persevere and he always worked hard and and also was uh, you know a, a very nice man. Like people speak very highly of him. Um, I've never had the pleasure myself. Again, Zahir Khan is just phenomenal. I've seen him bowl live. I remember watching Zahir Khan bowl live in Pakistan in 2006, and you know I was just kind of taken aback by the size of the guy he's huge yeah. you know he's just he's, he's not just so much that he's just tall but he's also quite broad and you know he looks like he look he's got the physique of a wwe wrestler he's a he's a big dude and a great bowler as well and again those iconic moments he for india with those one wickets. that was that was reinvented you know we, we talked last week about wakar yunis the the odi bowler in particular you know reinvented his himself his his sort of skill set after that big back injury zahir khan you know he suffered a few injuries in his career came to Worcestershire in uh, 2006, absolutely smashed it in county cricket, learnt the game, learnt how to bowl, you know, over after over, game after game, travelling, you know, from from here, there and everywhere, you know, playing games without much break in between, you know, really getting that those fitness levels up and bowling in foreign conditions, learning how to reverse swing the ball and all that kind of stuff, just really worked on it for that season. And post-2006, I mean, he, he, he was part of the reason that India won the series in England, the Test Series in 2007, uh, part of the reason why they went to Australia and won Test matches, went to South Africa and won Test matches, went all around the world and uh, put on these great performances during that era. Uh, and he, he was a, a real linchpin, a real un, unsung hero of that uh, era when India made it to number one in Test cricket in the world under Dhoni's captaincy and towards the end of Kumble's reign. Um, he was He was phenomenal. But, you know, like you say, like we've mentioned before, you know, if you're talking left arm seamers, the greatest of all time is Wazi Makram. So he has to come in. Yeah. And, you know, again, it's just it's one of those things. It's so difficult to to quantify because, you know, it's subjective. But I think most I think even Zahir Khan would agree with that. Um, yeah. And he'd take it as a great as a great uh, honor ready to be in that comparison. And, you know, he's a phenomenal bowler and it's all right. And just a reminder to anybody that's getting a bit frustrated or, you know, just, just yelling at your podcast provider. This is completely subjective. We've invited all of you guys to do your lists as well. And uh, we saw some pretty funky names on there so i think this is this is probably not not that bad a list by comparison you know <laughs> so um cool so here we come let's come back to this conundrum about this uh, this triple threat now on paper if we were just going by stats abdul qadir would definitely miss out because he's got the weakest bowling average of the three right he's averaging 32 but again you've got to remember that's not um that's not the way leg spin was used in that era it wasn't you were happy to concede runs you had to be attacking and he was the first sort of attacking leg spinner his strike rate was quite remarkable and you know we talk about Anil Kumble's 10 wicket haul against Pakistan um you know he himself uh, Abdul Qadir himself had a nine wicket haul 
which was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, uh, only went for 56 runs, and that was against a world-class team as well. So, I mean, you know, there were a lot of So you're just picking the one spinner. Is this is this a Kumble Kader comparison, or are we? No, no, I'm just, I'm just, into I'm, it as well? I'm keeping all three of them in. I'm keeping all three of them in, in in discussion. I'm just trying to make a case for Abdul Kader specifically. He's, you know, he's he's left this incredible legacy. Like it was. You know, when when he passed away uh, in 2019, it was you know, the tributes that came pouring in from around the world, um, particularly, you know, the Shane Warne one. I mean, the Imran Khan one was quite emotional, but the Shane Warne one was the one that really got a lot of people because, you know, Pakistan, again, blessed with so many skillful, talented players. If you made a list of the 10 most recognizable or 10 most famous Pakistani players, you probably wouldn't give Abdul Qadir a look in on that list. But... You know, when you really reflect on what he meant to so many different players and what his performances achieved for Pakistan, that aggression, that passion on the pitch, and the fact that he became one of the most successful spinners in an era where spinners were not successful, uh, you know, the, the variations, you know, the orthodox legs break, but then also the top spinner, the two different googlies, the flipper. He was just this unique figure and, and, and he was the first person to really make spin box office again because at that time you got to remember you know like there was a, a left arm spinner called Iqbal Ghasim also a fantastic uh, spinner for Pakistan but spin in, in that era in the 80s was thought of as you know it wasn't really box office it wasn't the most exciting part of the match you wanted to see your fast bowlers your world class batsmen and the spin was what came on to give the fast bowlers a break or when the ball was getting a little old yeah. or when the batsman was getting a bit desperate unless you were in India the first... where, where you used a couple of seamers to take the shine off the ball for the spinners <laughs> to come on <laughs> Unless you were playing in India, indeed. Uh, Pakistan never had such... It's, it's quite remarkable, really, because you draw a line in the sand and you've got a country either side of India and Pakistan on either side, and yet they produce two very different kinds of pitches. It's yeah. quite bizarre, really, and a different... And really, historically, have um, cultivated different well, kinds of Well, I mean, you know, even talent. in Pakistan, producing different types of pitches is one thing. I mean, even if the, the, the pitches weren't always that different, it was just that... To get anything out of those pitches in Pakistan, you had to have something different. You had to have pace for a start because you're going to get nothing from the wicket itself. So you have to really bowl as fast as you can. And that's why Pakistan have had so many really genuinely quick bowlers. And it's just the skill set, really. You know, the swing, the reverse swing in particular, when the ball gets dry and scuffed up, you've got to do something different. And that's what they did. And India, unfortunately, couldn't produce the, the same level of, of skillful fast bowlers until this sort of modern era. You had the, you know, Kapil Dev and Javagor Srinath Zaya Khan. The odd one used to come through here and there. Kapil Dev was the first real one who, who did it on a consistent basis. And, and obviously now they're they're very blessed to have finally got that right. But um, yeah, it's just that, that skill set of the Pakistani seamers, I suppose. And uh, that's, that's, that's why they were so successful. Yeah. They were really, um, the pitches play a, a huge part in this as well. And like, you know, one, a, a last thing I'd say in, in defense of, uh, or, you know, an advocation of Abdul Qadir is like when he was made captain in 1987, um, he was only captain for one series. They lost that series three nil to England. But throughout that series, he was so, and there was a lot of sort of, you know, people talking about political situations going on and a lack of backing and things like that. But he performed so strongly himself. Uh, he was a top wicket taker in that series. He averaged 13.17 in England. Um, you know, and and he and it wasn't like the end, even though a lot of people try to call time on his career at that time, because a, a lot of it was to do with his aggressive temperament or his behavior or things like that. But even even after that, in a subsequent series, if I look at his averages, he's averaging 
um, 17 in the next series and uh, 22 in the series after that and 21.75 in the series after that. So right down to the bitter end, he was averaging quite well. And it was just those small phases in his career where he was he was made to bowl a very, very attacking line that kind of pushed his average up. When you're tossing the ball up and you're looking for those two googlies, you're going to inevitably go for some runs, particularly in an era where batsmen are trained to go after spinners. But the fact that he was as successful as he was just speaks volumes for the man. And, uh, you know, may he rest in peace. So where are we going? Where are we going? Are we picking two spinners? Are we, are we going to sort of do a seamer slash a spinner depending on conditions and, and stick 12 in there <laughs> you know i've seen lots of lots of uh you know all-time 11s with with a few slashes in there when people can't make decisions i don't want to be uh, you see the the issue that i have is obviously abdul Qadir, absolute magician but one spinner i can only see us picking one spinner because if you need that second spinner, you've got more than capable spinners in Sewag and Tendulkar. I mean, Tendulkar, when he's bowling well, I mean, he's taken fifers against, you know, England, Australia, uh, Pakistan as well. So he's he can certainly do a job with the ball. Sewag's more than capable in helpful conditions. So if you've got helpful conditions, you wouldn't mind putting on those two as your part-timers to, to help out your main spinner. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I There's a world think... of difference between like a proper front there is, line. There is. You know, it's yeah, like know, it's the no, same. I, uh, it's the same yeah. thinking that goes with the wicketkeeping thing, right? Like we went for a specialist wicketkeeper um, because you want the right man for the right gig and all that kind of stuff. And you know, and I, I know it's pitch dependent, but you, in recent years, you've seen England play two frontline spinners. You've seen Pakistan do it often. Um, we don't often see India do it, but they can. They've got that depth there. Well, they you know? do. I mean, they've got Ashwin, Ashwin and, and Jadeja, Ch- Jadeja so. and Chahal sometimes, and uh, and. Um, uh, I mean, they used to play four spinners in the old days, but yeah. <laughs> before they had any seamers. Yeah, I mean, if <laughs> they played seen... four, then I think we could definitely get away with playing two. Now, considering you've got like a bowling all rounder in Imran Khan, who's more than capable Are as you a happy seam bowler. With just, yeah, but three seamers. And how can you how can you leave Kapil Dev out? I mean, we're talking about Kapil Dev. This is one of the greatest cricketers the world has ever produced. Mm, that's true. It's, you know, we can, let's go let's go slashy slashy. I mean, to think about it, we've left out a lot of world class <laughs> cricketers, by the way, because we you know we've left out you know Hanif Muhammad. Uh, we've left out Mohammad um, Yusuf. We've left out Javed Miandad. We've left out uh, Inzama Mohak. You know, there's some world class players that would make yeah. a lot of people's world 11s that we're leaving out here. Um, but because it's couple dev and I want to go home, let's um, <laughs> <laughs> let's let's put a slash in there. Let's do that. All right. So we're going with. So we've uh, got number eight, Kapil Dev slash Abdul Qadir. Is that? That'll do. Okay. That'll do. And then, uh, okay, let's do that. And then nine, Anil Kumble. Oh, I'd probably have Wazim of Anil Kumble. Oh, sorry, 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 of course. Yep, yeah, if we're going by batting order. Wazim and then Kumble. And then Wakar Yunus, number 11. So you've got a pretty strong batting line up there with Gumble coming in at 10 as well, wasn't yeah. it? At nine. <laughs> yeah. You know, test centuries, test double centuries uh, coming down the order there. Um, so I think that's, that's a pretty strong 11. Final question. Who leads? I mean, it's got to be, for me, it's got to be Imran Khan. I think, I think even in terms of the records of all of the players involved here, he has the strongest, because there's a few different 
decent captaincy records there as well with uh, Dhoni, Tendulka. Um, uh, I th- Dravid's record is pretty good as well, I think. Um, but, I mean... Kumble could have been. Could have yeah. been. Yeah, uh, and obviously Kapil Dev. But uh, for me, in this instance, the record, the, the tactician... Um, you know, those phenomenal performances leading from the front kind of thing and the kind of person that can galvanize uh, different personalities. And when you talk about a combined Pakistan-India 11, imagine the egos that would be at play there. And that's no disrespect yeah. to anybody. Everybody's got the skill to back them up. But, uh, you know, you what you want is somebody who can, you know, without patronizing people, get the most out of them, play to their strengths, build them up. And, uh, you know, for me... It's got to be IK. I mean, with the greatest respect to everybody in that lineup, because really you've got sort of five or six men there that can captain uh, the side and be and be more than credible, um, including was well, he You go through the lineup. Every one of them has captained. Yeah, there you go. Every one of them has captained their country. Uh, Sewag, not so much, but he has filled in, um, and the rest of them have done it on a more regular basis. Yeah, right down to even Abdul Qadir, Waka Yunus, Wazi Makram, yeah. obviously, and um, uh, uh, Anil Kumble. Yeah, so they've all they've li- they've literally all done it, and you know it's a it's a testament really to how strong all of these players were. But maybe a maybe also a, a little insight into how often captaincy was flipped around in in these eras. <laughs> uh, maybe we needed longer stretches, like uh, how many how many players that you know when you talk about the best player never to captain his country. You talk about someone like a Shane Warne, for example. Yeah. You know, it would have been in an in an odd way, it would have been nice for one leader to be there for a long amount, long period of time for both of these teams. And when I think about the the leader that was the most um, you know tenacious, the one who saw off the longest amount of time, and that was certainly Imran Khan. So for me, he ticks way too many boxes to ignore. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with that. Imran Khan goes down as captain. Uh, are we are we going for a twelfth man? We've we've got kind of twelve in there anyway. I think. Think that'll do. Yeah, well, we've got like, I mean, if, if you want to throw, too many. An, an, we're not going to pick Mohamed Yusuf as a twelfth man. <laughs> <are we? laughs> you could pick, could pick the big fast bowlers or here Khan. He could be a good twelfth man. But like, no, I think you're right. We've got, we've already got eleven slash twelve, depending on conditions. Uh, we could do this fifty times over and you know keep flipping these lists around. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's just fun to do, and it's fantasy cricket. What could have been a testament to the great players that have contributed to to a phenomenal sporting rivalry over the decades. Absolutely. So let's go through this uh, 11 finally then. So we've got uh, opening the batting, Sunil Gavaskar alongside Virenda Sewag, Rahul Dravid at number three, Sachin Tendulkar at number four, Yunus Khan at number five, Imran Khan at number six and captain, MS Dhoni at number seven. And then at number eight, we've got, depending on conditions, Kapil Dev slash Abdul Qadir. At uh, number nine, we've got Wasim Akram. At number 10, we've got Anil Gumble. And at number 11, Wakar Yunus. Uh, pretty useful side, that. <laughs> yeah, it really is world class. And, you know, when you th- if we made a second 11 to go with that, they'd probably give him a pretty good game as well. Absolutely. Yeah, that's such as the depth of talent. Yeah, but that was wonderful. That was great. I, that's quite That's quite satisfying putting that together. It is, it is, and uh, we'll put them all uh, up online for you to have a look at as well. And uh, that is it. We've come to the end of this 12-part series here on The Greatest Rivalry. It's been amazing looking back at India versus Pakistan through the decades, speaking to so many legends of the game and hearing their take on things. So a big thanks to them, to Wisden, and most importantly to you, the listeners. We've loved every minute of doing this, and we hope you have too. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure to go back and explore this rivalry from a historic perspective, to hear it from the people that were there, to spend so much time talking to and getting insights from these phenomenal players. It 
really has been an honor and a privilege and i hope uh, everybody listening has enjoyed learned a little something and uh, also learned to more than anything appreciated this incredible rivalry we've been blessed with over the years and well hopefully we can have more of it to come in the future and thank you as well atif and thank you, Nikesh. Let's thank you. <laughs> Listen, this has been great fun. I've got to say, like, for everybody listening, Nikesh is a phenomenally, uh, it's just a great person to work with. Like, if I was doing oh, a World it. 11, <laughs> if I was doing a World 11 of my favorite cricket analyst, commentator, journalist, cricket media people, you'd be my first pick, mate. Absolutely. You would as well, mate. It's been, a, it's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, we'll catch up at some point soon. And uh, if you're listening, uh, like what you've heard during this series, please let us know via the Wisdom Cricket and Wisdom India Twitter feeds. You can also contact us on social media at Nitesh Raghani and at Arthur Nawaz. But for now, thanks very much for listening. Podcast Network.